0: Welcome to Dry Clean Only, conversations on fashion and style. I'm your host, Kristen Cole in New York. I'm a fashion consultant with 20 years experience in the industry as a high concept retailer, fashion director, founder, and buyer. On this podcast, I sit with designers, stylists, experts, authors, innovators, and leaders in the space to bring you casual conversations around the many industry topics of the moment with insights and observations along the way. I hope you enjoy. Okay. So today we have episode number 32. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Tanya Taylor, designer and founder of the eponymous brand, a line of ready-to-wear known for really beautiful dresses, color, and print that have evolved into much more. Tanya is based in New York, but we actually spoke over Zoom. Today, we touch on her brand, now entering its 10th year, her expansion into other categories, news, her love of color and color therapy, her size inclusive range up to size 22, her path into fashion, and so much more. Really delighted to learn more about her and the collection. We chatted a bit about our mutual love for Alex Katz and his recent retrospective at the Guggenheim, which is sadly over, but but there's so much out right now, um, in terms of art and a million things, uh, at the Guggenheim Sarah Z, which I'm dying to see Cecily Brown at the Met, which I just saw over the weekend. So incredible. My husband and I really slept on acquiring a piece a while ago, deep regret over not buying that. Um, But yeah, so, so great. Georgia O'Keeffe just opened at MoMA to see Takes Time, a really beautiful exhibition that you do need to take time to get through. Um, I really enjoyed all of the drawings and some of my favorite watercolors. James Benjamin Franklin just opened last night at Broadway in Tribeca, which is my husband's gallery. Shameless plug here, but it really is a fantastic show. Uh, we have one of his we have one of his multimedia pieces in our family room. They also have Ariel Mitchell paintings in their project room. Definitely a must see. We went to the New York Academy of Arts Tribeca Ball Gala dinner last week. It was honoring Amy Sherald, who was in attendance, looking incredible, wearing Gucci and event sponsor Van Cleef and Arpels. Just love her work, and it was really neat to see her honored and everything going on with that. Uh, school and foundation. I wore a new black Marina Moscone ruched taffeta dress that I'm obsessed with and I wear casually all the time, but that night I actually dressed it up a bit. Today we talk about Tanya's new Madison Avenue boutique that will be opening this summer. Very exciting. Joining the many shops and newcomers to New York's Upper East Side Prime Thoroughfare, joining many luxury brands, basically from Prada North in the 70s on Madison, just so many wonderful things, such a concentration. Santa Ambrose, Caviar Caspia, Jonathan Cohen, Altuzara, Irene Newworth, Dr. Barbara Sturm, Gabriella Hurst. Goshen Capumasa, Kirna Zabeti has a new boutique up there. It's just, yeah, so much happening up there. Great. It is springtime in New York. Finally, it's in the seventies today. I'm starting to think about showing some actual skin after being cocooned and covered up for five months. I'm on the hunt for some new lightweight spring jackets. I'm really hoping to find like a nylon bomber or like a, a barracuda jacket. I don't know. We'll see. Ready to get back into outdoor exercise, some tennis, some yoga, all sounds very exciting. Maybe a new beach hat by my favorite milliner, Gigi Burris, who's hosting a fundraiser end of month in Williamsburg for her foundation Closely Crafted, whose mission it is to preserve craft in the US and to provide artisan apprenticeships. Learn more on closelycrafted.org if you'd like to support. The documentary Fashion Reimagined is now streaming. Very excited to see that. It is on my to-do lists, but first priority, continuing to watch Succession eagerly anticipating the start of some summer film releases like Barbie by Greta Gerwig, one of my very favorite filmmakers. It looks incredibly fun and satirical and escapist and nostalgic in a very clever way. Can't wait to see that. And the new West Anderson film, Asteroid City, the sets and the costumes alone, from what I've seen, look so incredible. So anyways, I'm going to keep this short today. Not too much to report on in terms of news, we're at a kind of nice in-between show season, which is great. The sun is shining. Happy Friday. Now onto what you were here for, my conversation with Tanya Taylor. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. It's really nice to meet you. I haven't met you somehow. Can you tell me a little bit about your trip to Washington?
1: Yeah, that was so fun. Um, I was invited to go to Dr. Biden's ceremony around um, her inaugural outfits being um, inducted into the Smithsonian Museum. Mm -hmm. And I think what I loved the most about the trip was I had no idea what to expect. I had been to Washington many times for Michelle Obama, Mm -hmm. um, pieces that I had worked on and just White House events, but hadn't been back for the Biden administration. And realized just how awesome the fashion community is around her Yeah. And they're showing up. None of us had connected with each other, but we walked into the Smithsonian and it was Jennifer Fisher and Jonathan Cohen and Victor Glamod and just like a really nice group of people that have really celebrated her as a first lady. Yeah. Um, and Mark Harian and Gabriella Hearst did such beautiful works yeah. for yeah. the pieces. So it was yeah. really cool to see they brought their whole teams and their families and, it made, it was a nice Wednesday in the middle of a very busy fashion yeah. week of being in the office to kind yeah. of remind you of um, how special making clothes for someone that, really. you know, important is.
0: Yeah. It's a real part of history. What's the, at the Smithsonian, what's the exhibit like? Is that a permanent exhibit?
1: Yeah. I had never every first lady's uh, inaugural gown and this was especially special you know, important because it wasn't a gown when she was, you know, brought into the white house. It was a day after Biden's was really special, but yeah, it's cool to like walk down history lane and see some of the pieces that have just been etched in your memory of American
0: history. That's so cool. And you've, uh, you cut out for a second, you've designed looks before for three former lotuses or two.
1: Um, Well, I I, while they were in office too, so Michelle Obama and Dr. Biden, and then Hillary Clinton's warned us, but I didn't get to work with her. I was too, I was, I think, a baby. (laughs) Amazing, but um, no, yeah, just
0: the two of them. Um, Stacy was telling me you're just about hitting your 10 year anniversary. Is that right?
1: Yeah, this year will be our 10 year anniversary. We are opening our first store, which we are really excited about.
0: Amazing. Um, I think whereabouts?
1: What neighborhood? Upper East Side, um, on Madison and 77th. And Amazing.
0: Everyone's opening up there. I know. Jonathan, Alta every yeah. I mean such a nice concentration of kind of next gen designers. It's really yeah. nice to see. I love it up there.
1: I love it too. And it was kind of um it was interesting. When we first started looking for a store, I definitely was more inclined for downtown. I live downtown, I live in the West Village and I yeah you know, just know it better. But then when I really thought about our customer and the, like what I was trying to get out of retail, I felt like opening on the Upper East Side had a more consistent customer that is local. Yeah. It has a lifestyle that's really fascinating to learn from because there's a lot of travel. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. events versus Soho as a young team, I would be worried that the information we were receiving was less, informative. Like it's yeah. a tourist or
0: it's there's, you know, so much of-, of a tourist customer. Yeah. And it is such a local customer on the upper East and you've got like the Santa Ambrose and you have all the old hotels and there's, yeah, there's kind of like a nice old school is. New York. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we're opening that in August and really just thinking around retail. Cause I think coming out of COVID, we were a really wholesale dependent. Yeah. Company and yeah, I've just felt the benefit of more time with our customer. And yeah, yeah I think like post pandemic, the first thing I wanted to do was just get on the road and yeah. spend more time with our customers. So we went to eight different cities last year. It was fascinating to see the differences between Nashville and New Orleans and Charleston and Palm yeah. Beach yeah, and really put in front of you like I would spend time in the fitting rooms with women and yeah. just really see the reality of why they were buying us to me, come back and be a good lead for creative direction. Um, and then also just knowing that if you have a store, you could sit in there for a day and you get to see like, you know, a hundred people come in and you're, you're never questioning who you're designing for.
0: It's so true. It's so informative. And I, I love that more and more kind of young designers are opening shop because it's so informative. And when I used to be a retailer and a fashion director and a buyer, this was what I was always telling my designers. It was like that inside Intel. Cause you know, like I operated in uh, six different cities and each city, you know, such a different sartorial point of view. And like the nuance really matters, you know, how a woman dresses in Napa versus how a woman dresses okay. in Palm Beach or right? like these are, yeah. they're like little and nuanced, but they yeah. kind of mean everything with your merchandising.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's a communication strategy of like who you want to be in those different places and making totally. sure your collection just has the notes of it. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, we're having a lot of fun with that right now. We that's hired a new merchandiser this year. So she's helping kind yeah. of the arch- architecture around what the
0: brand can feel like. That's great. Um, what Will will your store have just your own label or will there be any brand extensions or new categories?
1: Well, there's definitely, um, I want it to be a home for brand extensions and yeah. collaborations that we have coming up. But I also really want to sell my friends things. Like I love the idea that I have, I just have go-to jewelry designers that I'm obsessed yeah. with. And totally. I have like go-to candle companies and really yeah. cool like, you know, even like vintage collectors of like old records and stuff. So I'm kind of, I'm keeping it open to making it feel like someone can walk in and under the, understand the context of what inspires us and what, you know, other creatives we have in our world that we can sell. That's been a nice way to think of expanding the brand without it being a responsibility for us to manufacture all these new categories. Like I really
0: I think I've it's so much product. more sustainable also, because sometimes brands feel that pressure to like, I have to make socks now. And you're like,
1: well, exactly. You know, so yeah.
0: I, I'm, I'm really looking
1: forward to kind of um, taking a point of view on different yeah. categories. And yeah.
0: I also think in the absence of, you know, the way retail evolved and so many great multi label retailers died out. People want to walk into a space and feel that point of view and buy into that. So it's really nice when you can offer that and that shopping experience.
1: Yeah, I I guess like everything I've done has always come back to a personal instinct on like, what kind of store do I want to walk into? I don't want to walk into a mono brand, mono point of view. Like I want to walk into somebody's mind and how they see all different kinds of lifestyle.
0: A curation. I love that. And do you still do, I, I was poking around on your site a little bit. I saw some children's. Is that something you yeah. still do?
1: Yeah. it's So we started children's in COVID um, yeah. and it's great. It's like, it's miniature versions of our women's wear. And we've definitely learned that like leaning more to event driven, a little bit more fancy kind of pieces yeah. feel like the right spot for us yeah um, but yeah we're still doing it and it's 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 like a you know a awesome customer acquisition tool it's like a mom falls in love with the dress and she you know decides like she can also buy it for herself and it, it kind of develops like a nice little family moment
0: well and like with occasion dressing and specialty I feel like that mommy and me moment is really it's fun
1: yeah it's and there's the there's, there's like a lot of brands that don't um that are one or the other and yeah. so I think but also in kind of a shopping experience to have, yeah, from a shopping experience, I think having complimentary items for other family members feels Absolutely. important. Like I, I shop with my husband and my two boys. And so yeah. I know I need something in every store that they can either sit and do, or I could buy for them. And it's nice to kind of think about that when you're expanding in retail.
0: Yeah, when I had my stores, it was it was always like, it started out when I was like younger, it was like the boyfriend bench. And then totally. that evolved to like the husband station where you have like the right kind of magazines and books and like it's curated, but it's also meant to be a distraction. Yes. And then that evolved into the children's section, which had like beautiful little, you know, wooden toys. and you know, You're investing in everyone's joy. Yes, exactly. And your top line. Which yeah, is cool. totally. How do you wear the collection? You've been at it for 10 years like what do you what do you mix your collection with like I see a beautiful necklace a collar necklace there what other brands do you wear
1: you know I wear this every day so I feel like I'm really layering for clothing a lot of our pieces but I love I love totem I like classic pieces like yeah. I think I'm not needing to make all the classics. Really nice to kind of in Lulu studio are like my top three. And then I'm a shoe freak. Gia Borghini, I really like. I love Loewe. I love by far, like I'm really curious about accessories yeah. because yeah. I think I don't have to design them. So it's a little okay. more fun to buy them. It's McQueen. queen. And I feel like I like hard, kind of more structured pieces back to like yeah. Arthas, um styles.
0: That's cool. It looks like a... a- sterling collar i have one very similar um that one of my friends in la makes it's really it's nice thank you how would you describe your collection i, I think where i started
1: the brand was i always wanted women to feel invited into the brand and yeah. i wanted it to feel like i, I started by like the, the way i did that was through color and print at the beginning yeah. like it was like okay i can paint prints i can make really amazing color combination that will excite someone and make them feel energized. Yeah, I think I've been able to really build on the purpose of what I'm doing into categories that aren't floral and aren't printed or, you know, colorful. They're actually super chic ways of wearing texture together or ways to kind of mix tailoring with more feminine silhouettes. Yeah, um, I think I'm really focused on styling right now. So it's yeah. like how, how I can teach someone to love like an amazing leather skirt back to so many different variations of how yeah. they're feeling. But it always starts with mood and it always, it always is supposed to be approachable. Like I never want to challenge a woman to feel uncomfortable or mm-hmm. challenge her to push
0: herself outside of something that's not yeah. her comfort. Yeah. Or to like, make it feel exclusive in the in the wrong way like yeah you're not not invited to this party because you don't know how to put it on
1: yeah no I want it to be the opposite I really want it to make her see herself in a incredibly flattering better version that even makes her enhance everything that she loves yeah um
0: yeah
1: I think it can it it has really broadened outside of being known for prints Like what we're selling right now is awesome. It's like a ton of vegan leather, like beautiful, like knitwear, some like really nice denim. Like it's kind of these essential staples that are like, have a feminine twist. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like that because they're the building blocks and you trust those pieces, but then you can invest in one awesome lame dress. Like just, just where kind of this customer is willing to spend money right now we really want to be in the classic with a twist point of view for them we yeah. can design three great statement dresses per mm-hmm. season but we yeah. design probably like 25 great yeah.
0: essential items right. around that so and by- three statement dresses is enough you know it's yeah,
1: like exactly how many moves- yeah. they're all different one's embroidered in mini and you're wearing it for a holiday party and the yeah. other one's like you know work friendly so we're definitely being really kind of focused and considerate of like yeah. where our developments going our designs going and i love this kind of core staples yeah. that we're um
0: I think we're starting that that makes a lot of sense for the way people are dressing now
1: yeah um, i think i grew up i started the brand when
0: i was 25 so you're yeah. in a
1: different well, it's also a different, a different
0: it's a different world and i think people just yeah. have a more considered wardrobe now people are buying for longevity and Yeah, I just think it's a different time, which is good. I think these are good things. Where do you produce the collection?
1: So we have production all over. We are probably equally distributed between Portugal, India, and China.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, We've done some in New York actually more recently, a little bit in LA during COVID for domestic. But it's really by fabric group. Like we yeah. are obsessed with doing like all of our t-shirts and all of our cut and sew knitwear in Portugal. The capabilities there, we've actually expanded to doing suiting in Portugal, which is really cool. Amazing. India is just, you know, masterful at embroidery. And swimwear has become a really big part of the company, which is actually made in Thailand. Mm-hmm. But all of our hover-ups are made in India. And then China's just The leader for silks, like they are, they have such a fine needle and really great quality. But we have five partners. Like we're really, we work at the same factories, and it it feels like getting in a groove after ten years of not having to switch things around
0: and know how to. Yeah, that's so nice. Yeah, nice. You know your production partners, so you feel comfortable with their practices and.
1: Yeah, we travel there, and they have offices in New York, and you just feel like they are partners. That's great.
0: And tell me a little bit, I know you have a strong mm-hmm. use of color in the collection and love of color. Can you tell me a little bit about your color therapy workshops and, and this yeah. philanthropy work?
1: Yes. Um, so I just think that color beyond clothing is such an important like mood booster and like way that people communicate. Um, and so I think about six or seven years ago, I started teaching a color therapy class um, and it started because Christie's in LA gave us their space in Beverly Hills and said, do whatever you want for a week in it. And I was like, what could we do? We could like teach painting classes. This yeah. feels ironic being in an auction house. Yeah. And um, I realized that people's memories are associated to color and mine are too. So yeah. when I think about my mom, she's a very specific color of purple. When I think about my grandma, she's a specific color of blue and this class is 30 minutes long. There's 20 prompts. People sit in front of a campus and a lot of the times we host it and they don't know each other. Mm -hmm. And we've hosted it for 400 people. We've hosted it for 20 people. Like it can be kind of a range. And I start by saying like, what's the color of your first kiss? And everyone, thinks yeah. about, you know, it could be horrible, it could be good. And they they paint their canvas with whatever it feels like for them. And then we evolve through their life of other prompts and how they would see their family or tougher times in color. And at the end, they get up and they look around and see each other's canvases. And it is so cool, because it's almost like your life map, the way that you paint it. And you yeah. it's a way to introduce yourself to people. So Um, we've done that. And then I really thought it could be therapeutic for people that were going through chemotherapy. So we redid the pediatric floor at MSK in New York with our prints, like the hospital curtains. And we made headscarves for women that were going through their first round of breast cancer chemotherapy. That's so sweet. It was, it was really like, it's really important to me. And, um, the kids though felt like they needed to have some fun. So we started teaching painting classes for them and their siblings to attend. Cool. Um, and I would just stand in the middle of the floor with these canvases and no one, these kids don't listen. Like you're not like, what's the call of your first kiss? You're like, I know. You're like, don't put blue in your face. Yeah. And I it know. was, it was, it was great. It was like such a nice range of how we've been able to expand the class.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I have a I have a five year old, a kindergartner, and I'm always like, how did these kindergarten teachers do it? I'm like, I know, like herding cats. I have a five year old
1: too, so it's it's the same. It's like,
0: it do it in a room that's
1: can be washed down.
0: Yeah. Oh my god. Um, amazing. And where do you go for your color inspiration? For your inspiration for your collections? Are you more of a like? Process driven, or do you travel? How, what's your?
1: I I think travel's the best way I can find inspiration. Um, and by myself, like I love to go on a three day trip somewhere that I've never been and just yeah. discover new art and new yeah. Um, museums. Yeah. But if I don't get a chance to do that, it's always art. Like I can, like even the Alex Katz exhibit at Guggenheim. Like oh. I, went and I'm like, oh my god! Like, the I saw it twice. So like, You can translate that to a collection by thinking of like, oh my gosh, these like cream exteriors with these like pop yellows. And like, it's, it, I I just need to see yeah. some bold use of color and yeah. really can be excited to like, you know. Or
0: translate that to something. Yeah. You know, no, I love that. Your size range is very inclusive. How, how did that come about? And how does that fit into your design philosophy?
1: Well, I think that, our inclusive size range goes back to the approachability of what yeah. I want the brand to feel like. Yeah. Um, and then personally, my mom was always like a size 18 size 20. Yet yeah, She ran a public public company and I would see her on the weekends just being so artistic and yeah. comfortable because she didn't have to choose what to wear.
0: Yeah. And,
1: you know, Monday mornings, just kind of falling, like yeah. just losing her confidence. And so yeah. I think I saw that and I really felt like I had a responsibility, but also like an interest in this awesome fashion customer that like loves color and loves expressing themselves and didn't have access to really good clothes.
0: I feel like yeah. that's really, especially with like 11 Honoré and everything, I feel like options for, you know, women outside of a size eight, you know, which is yeah. so ridiculous has just really increased so exponentially recently.
1: Yeah, it has. And then I think it's been actually interesting to see a wave of like retailers supporting it. And then through COVID retailers kind she of step back, back. Yeah. and our customers really loyal. It is a tough part of our business though, to yeah sustain on our own without yeah. that retail kind of support. Yeah. Um, but it's so meaningful.
0: How did you how did you get into fashion?
1: I think I started through art. So I, I did my undergraduate degree at McGill University, and I studied finance, mm-hmm. but my whole family's entrepreneurial. So like, My grandfather started a company, my mom started one, my aunts. Like, it was just in our blood of, like, what kind of company would you start? I grew up in Toronto, so there was no fashion. Like, I didn't even know you could really have a fashion company. Yeah. And when I loved finance, but I knew I needed to go after McGill to Parsons or Central St. Martin's. I needed to just get this itch out of my creative side. So I went to Central St. Martin's one summer and I fell in love with the idea that that's what school could feel like. Like, it would just. Painting and fabric collection and sketching—it totally. was a dream. And so I went to Parsons and I did the two-year AAS program. When I was there,
0: I did that too. Oh, you did? Yeah, it's funny. I have a similar thing. I went to NYU and I majored in economics and oh. I minored in women's studies. And I thought I wanted to go on that path. And then living in New York, I fell in love with fashion. And so afterwards, after I graduated, yeah, I enrolled in Parsons and did that two-year program. It was great. And I had that exact same feeling of, oh, my God, school could be like this. Like,
1: just- and that's when you know it's not work,
0: right? 100%. Like it's kind of
1: like when your job feels that way, too.
0: Yeah. No, totally. um,
1: but yeah, I and when I was there, my first semester, um, Mary-Kate and Ashley were starting... Elizabeth and James and the row yeah. and I applied for an internship mm-hmm. and it, I was so naive. I like showed up and I was so excited. Um, I offered to start a salad club in my first interview, which like now when I think back, like what a wacko, but whatever it worked. And yeah. they hired me as an intern. I, love it. And I worked mm-hmm. full time through school. And then I worked on their team for three years afterwards on the design team. And I think what was so interesting at that time was contemporary fashion didn't really exist. It existed in like a very impersonal, like large company way, like, you know, a theory or an Alice and Olivia. And I loved two girls that were 23, designing for a 23 year old and understanding that lifestyle. So I think it really inspired me to always keep things really personal.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: And Then I started the brand right after.
0: Amazing. I guess this is kind of my last question. Tell me a little bit about your Fall 23 collection just released.
1: I love our fall collection. It is um, really focused on texture, again, kind of going back to styling. The prints are blurry, they feel like they have that, like, really interesting kind of like fall movement of like really moody colors and very um, hand-painted texture but there's a lot to play with there's like amazing mustard colored ostrich feathers there's um really cool like strapless faux croc dress that I like am waking up dreaming about
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah and yeah I think it's just it feels really like it's our first collection that's gonna be in our store. So I feel like we designed it with a lot of intention of like how can this feel in its own retail environment. So it feels really exciting.
0: Kind of like thought out. I think 10 years is the perfect time, you know, to (laughs) cross that threshold and I'm sure it will just like, you know, really awaken the brand in so many new ways. It's really, it's so fun having a store. So well I
1: wanna I need to learn everything from you. I feel like you need to give me all the pointers.
0: (laughs) Very happy to the opening date is it set or is it just kind of coming fall 23
1: i think we're going to do our opening party during fashion week in september yeah, um, and then just do a soft launch for two weeks before that to get yep. get up kinks of being a first-time retailer so much happening in that neighborhood now there's like happier caspia and members oh club like a
0: lot of currency there's so much and i but i love the santa yeah. rose up there and you're like right there across the street yeah
1: I know we're trying to do a, co- a coffee cup collaboration on the week sure. that we opened because we did one with La Cologne downtown and it was like Vogue's accessory of the day. It was like a cool thing that
0: we tried. Amazing. Um, even like I a one day takeover. Oh, I love that. I even, I go down to, um I'm, I'll be in Palm Beach next week, but my husband's family lives there and even, you know, the Santa Ambrose down there is just yeah. incredible as well. And it's just, they're everywhere, but they're so good.
1: They're so good. The one at Royal Ponciana is yeah. that
0: the one? Oh, it's it's like you could spend the day there. It's so nice. And I <laughs> always try to go and just get a coffee and then I eat like four of those little sandwiches. And... Oh, yeah. oh, I know. So but
1: good. you feel like you're in Italy. You're like, oh, I don't you really do kind of like Milan fashion week. I can go. Totally.
0: My very last question for you. Having hit the 10-year milestone, what what advice do you have for? young designers, because it's, I mean, I feel like on this pod, I talk to designers who've made it, you know, 20 years, 10 years, and then there's the newbies who are six months in, and it's just such a different experience.
1: I know, I, I think where I wish I had the courage earlier, and I always recommend to people starting is ask people for help, like advice and help and build mentorship around growth. Yeah um i think i just grew up thinking that it was an imposition to like ask people to give me advice on wholesale relationships yeah. or you know maybe more of the nitty gritty like operations and finance side of the business mm-hmm. and the more i've opened myself up to that especially covid after yeah. the more i've just like really learned good rules of how other people have built companies yeah, and I think everyone's really willing to share, knowing how hard it is to keep totally. going.
0: Totally, and I, that's actually such great advice because it's so easy. And yeah, yeah. on the other side, it's so easy. Also, you're—it's not even an imposition when you're asking someone one question. You know, it's totally just yeah.
1: be direct, be specific. Like I feel yeah. like if I get an email and it's like. I'd love to just talk about like everything. You're like, yeah. well,
0: no. I, like, like, I have I, a pointed question. Yeah.
1: Like if you ask me if this rent
0: makes sense, I can tell you yes or no. 100%. You know? No, I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me thank today. Um, well, have fun, fun. at call we Well, enjoy. And so yeah. nice to
1: meet you. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. All right. Talk soon. All right.
1: Bye. bye.